welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's word. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. If it's morning, evening, afternoon, midday, whatever it is, we're glad that you're here and we're glad that you're listening and we pray that this will be a blessing to your soul today because that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the human soul because we, last time, if you were with us or want to look back on the list and see Uh, We talked about the anatomy of the soul in sort of a general sense. And we looked at Genesis 2, 7, where it talks about God making man or making Adam and then obviously by extension woman into a living soul. So the working definition of soul that I'm going with is that the soul is made up of the mind, the emotions, and the will. So the mind is what you think with, the emotions are what you feel with, and the will is what you choose with or make decisions. Uh, an older word for it would be volition. Some old books talk about volition. So the mind, emotion, and will. So it's tripart, if we want to put it that way. There's actually three bits to your soul. And you can talk about the heart as well, but it seems to have a different sort of implication to it. Uh, Whereas, and I like to, just very briefly, I like to relate the spiritual heart that the Bible talks about with the physical heart, because first the natural, then the spiritual. The things of the natural teach us or are illustrations of the things of the spiritual. So a heart, a human heart, pumps blood all over the body. And when you take a deep breath, air goes into your lungs and the oxygen is imparted to the cells in the bloodstream, which then carries it all over the body. So your heart has a unique role in that it is the, uh, the mover of life or breath to your entire system. So a spiritual heart would be a similar thing. It tends to function as a a mover of life to your whole system. And there's all kinds of little side roads we can go down and discuss heart health and exercise and breathing and all those things and how they can relate to spiritual health and prayer and all that. But right now we're just talking about uh, the soul and specifically the emotions, Right. We'll also talk about the mind, what you think with, and the volition or the will, what you choose with here in a few other lessons but or sessions. But right now we're talking about emotions. So there's an interesting concept. You've heard of like um, personality tests. And I know two that I've taken on a number of occasions tend to break people up into four categories. You have your phlegmatic, your melancholy, your choleric, and your sanguine. And so sanguine people tend to be happy-go-lucky a bit, and choleric people tend to be more uh, goal-driven and serious, and melancholy people tend to be sort of sad, or not so much sad, but just sort of mundane, and then the phlegmatic people just tend to be sort of laid back. 
and uh, chilled about things. Uh, I don't know if mundane is the right word for a melancholy person. I don't mean it in a bad sense. It's just classifications. Now, there's another test that's very, very similar to that and basically uses different words for the same thing called the DISC test. DISC test. And that's dominant, influential, uh, conscientious, and D-I-S. Dominant, influential, uh, S is steady and steady. So... They tend to correlate with the other four that I just mentioned. So you have these personality tests, and they're somewhat, uh, they're not super scientific. I mean, people, they often say, oh, have your friend fill out the test for you, and then you fill it out and see, you know, compare the results, stuff like that. Um, I would like to suggest there's another model of looking at humans, which, again, is sort of uh, a little bit you know, subjective to the person or whoever's observing, maybe. Uh, but all these things are helpful to a certain degree. Don't I don't want to, you know, label anybody flat out, slap the label on them and say, that's it, they're like this 100% of the time, I'm not doing that. Uh, but I am suggesting that there's generalities that people are relatively characterized by. And so another one in relation to the soul with the mind, emotion, and will is that you're going to have your group of people that are emotional type people. I'm sure you've met emotional type people. I, you know, women uh, tend to be classified as emotional quite often more than men. Uh, but I have met emotional men as well that tend to function on their feelings. Then you've got people that are uh, emotion, mind, emotion uh, that are m- logical. They're they reason everything out. They think through everything in a way that like, well, if this is this and that is that, then this has to be the result. I would say those people are mindful people or logical people or reasoned, reason people. Maybe not reasonable, but certainly reasoned in that. Uh, I remember a chap I knew uh, years ago and somebody else said, oh, I've only ever once met someone with the cold logic like that guy's got. You know, that that's a description of someone who very much emphasizes his thinking capacity and coming to conclusions based on what he logics out or reasons out or thinks through or something like that. Uh, so that though, there's a group of people like that. I'm sure you probably have a few people in mind that are like that. Then there is the willful cr- crowd, the people that just, they want it their way. Okay. And they don't really care. You know, you, you hear about, I think, um, I've not read the book, but James Dobson years ago wrote a book called The Strong-Willed Child. Okay, so he was emphasizing this willfulness aspect of people. And, uh, you know, and people can be emotionally manipulative to get their own way, or they can talk you into a corner to get their own way, something like that. They kind of pull on the other elements of their soul to get their own way, but ultimately they're just willful and they want their way. So, um, and you may say, well, everybody's like that. But, you know, there are people who are... Uh, generally characterized like that. <clears throat> so you see what I'm doing. I'm taking the mind, the emotion, and will, and I'm applying it now to uh, general characteristic traits across the board for people. Now, obviously, like I just said with the willful one, you can draw on your other elements to um, strengthen the primary one that you you know that you're working with. Uh, but you, you're characterized by that one. Okay, you're emotional. You're mindful. You're willful, something like that. So let's talk about mainly emotions right now after having said all that by way of introduction. Excuse me. So emotions are very fickle things and they change uh, regularly and often. 
So, and dramatically. Uh, and they're often linked to the circumstances around us. So, one of the things we have to bear in mind as we're talking about <clears throat> the soul is that the, your soul is inside of you, but it is intricately linked with your body and your spirit. So, everybody has a body. If you don't have a body, you're disembodied. <laughs> so, I guess you're dead uh, or you don't exist. But if you're listening to this and you don't have a body and you don't exist, then that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But um, so everybody has a body. The body houses the soul. Okay. So God breathed into Adam's uh, body that he formed the breath of life and he became a living soul. So your body houses your soul. Your body animates your soul. Sorry, your, your soul animates your body. But then also, God is the one who breathed into you. So from God comes this breath of life. And I am going to just generally state that that would be your spirit. It doesn't mean, because we're made in the image of God. There's something God has instilled within humans that's different than all other life. Because we are explicitly stated as being made in his image. So, God has shot that life into every person at conception. And this is why, you know, the pro-life idea or, you know, anti-abortion idea is quite strong because God has instilled within a human certain qualities. Now, when I was talking before about the personality test and the different personality traits that people have, uh, I asked, there, I went and I was listening to a talk by a lady who was talking about this exact thing, the different traits. And she was talking about herself as one one, uh, characteristic, and then her husband was another, and she was making examples based on the two of them. And I asked the question at the end of her talk. I said, is this something that can be genetic, or is it something God instills within the person? And she actually laughed and said, are you seriously asking me that question? Because it's an impossible question to answer. We have no way of knowing if genetics plays a part, uh, because... You know, and also uh, the idea that God just instills it within us. There's a mystery there that we're not able to tap into and get any satisfying answers from. So, uh, God clearly from the Bible breathes into all humans the breath of life. He somehow imparts that. And so... And so it comes from him. So he's able, that's why I say you have a body and you have a soul and you have a spirit. So that spirit is that bit of you. And we'll talk about this down the road. Is that bit of you that uh, God relates through to your mind. And when we talk about the mind, we'll talk about how that works. What bit of your mind taps into your spirit. So with the emotions, they're probably... Probably your emotions lean a bit more to the environment around you. So some people are very closed. Some people are very open. They wear their emotions on their sleeve, that kind of thing. So your body feels things negative or positive or it's balanced. So if you stub your toe first thing in the morning and then spill a cup of coffee in your, on your lap, you know that puts you off onto a bad road for the day. So some people will just live their day as absolute grumps now that they have gotten up and everything went wrong. So see how your environment then affects your emotions. Other people, you know, you can't put them down. They're just happy all the time. And so even if something bad happens, they bounce back very quickly and they always have that smile on their face. And so uh, it depends on... 
uh, sort of what how you're wired, I guess, in one sense. But the idea is is that it's a strange balance that we have to have. The Book of Psalms very much is in a book is a book that expresses emotion. You know, one minute the psalmist is thrilled to death and it's, he's on cloud nine and he's praising God and it's almost euphoric. And the next minute, you know, you flip to the next psalm and all of a sudden it's our enemies are destroying us and God, why don't you do something and life just stinks. And so the, the psalms express the whole range of human emotion. And God's okay with that because he put the emotions in us. He allows us to express our emotions to him, but at the same time, we have to have our emotions under control. So the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, this is like Sunday school stuff. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? So this fruit of the Spirit is... At the you know at first it sounds great you know you're happy as a as a lark it's love it's joy it's peace but then you get into patience and the New Testament idea of patience actually has in it this idea of enduring through pain and suffering do a word study on patience and you'll find out that it means way more than just waiting. Uh, for something to happen, <clears throat> okay, we all, you know, we're in the doctor's office or we're at the bank or at trying to get out of church or whatever, and the kids are over there going, I want to leave, I want to go, well, how long are we going to wait? You know, and the mother says, well, just be patient. So what she means is, is just sit there quietly and wait without moaning and complaining and that kind of thing. But there's actually much more to patience than that when you do a word study in the New Testament. It has to do with enduring suffering and trials and that kind of thing. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness is, you know, people feel great when someone's kind to them. But when you have to give kindness back to another person, that sometimes is an act of the will. So it may not be fun, right? So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Uh, And then finally, I want to emphasize this idea of self-control. This is, it's the fruit of the spirit, remember? So your spirit gives you, sorry, not your spirit, the spirit of God works in you to strengthen your ability to have self-control. Is it you or is it God? It's both, really. And there's a lot of biblical and spiritual principles that are like that. You know, we tend to want to say, why can't God or whatever? But there's an element of, no, God expects you to step out and do as well. So self-control is like that. You know, you kind of grit your teeth and you say, no, I am going to have self-control. I'm going to have control over my emotional state right now. I'm not going to lose it. And so one way or the other, because I've been with a lot of teenagers (laughs) and even junior high kids or, you know, 13, 14, 15 year olds, they get all wound up and excited and stupid things can happen when they're really happy. But at the same time, People can be on the opposite end of the emotional scale and they and stupid things can happen when they're really sad or really depressed or something like that. People make bad decisions when they're in that sort of depressed or down state. So we have to be balanced in all these things. Now, this is an ongoing uh, theme of mine that over and over again, it says in the scripture, particularly Proverbs and Deuteronomy, 
uh, it says that God hates an unjust balance or dishonest scales are an abomination to him. So there's this idea of balance, of equilibrium that we have to maintain. And our emotions have to be on those scales. We have to keep them balanced. If you stub your toe in the morning and spill coffee on yourself, that does not then give you the right to show up at work and like bite the first person's head off that you see. It doesn't give you the right to do that. You are never exempt from the overall characteristics of love, joy, peace, patience that the scriptures talk about. You suck it up, you recognize it for what it is, you get that self-control, and you move on. And you and even though uh, you know you may be mad at yourself or mad at the world for something that happened that morning, you should not then you're not excused then from kindness or from gracious words, or from an act of goodness, or love, or something like that. You, you see what I mean? So the principles of the New Testament, God will, God will work in those to make them a reality in your life when you give it over to him. But you have to be aware and think about your emotional state. What am I feeling right now? You know, because you could also withhold emotions and, and be... In the wrong, I guess you could say. You can withhold emotions and not get excited for that person or not feel sad because we're, you know, we have to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. So there's all of that wrapped up in it. And I'm not perfect in all this. I'm just saying this is what the scripture teaches. Now, one other thing I want to briefly mention is what happens. Uh, often we talk about feeling God's presence or we, you know, something like that. But what if our emotions are not lining up with? Uh, what we're trying to do right now. Like, let's say you're praying about something or you, you're you in a bad situation and you feel like the Lord has left you and it kind of leaves you a bit, the Lord has left me. I don't feel his presence. <clears throat> well, this is where your mind now needs to kick in and say, wait a minute. If I'm not feeling anything, does that then mean the Bible's not true? Does that then mean that? And you can start rattling off these verses. God will never leave you or forsake you. God is your strong tower. God is a refuge in a time of crisis or need. God is your shield. God is your reward. You know, God is the one who brings you salvation. He is the one that the joy of the Lord is your strength. You then look beyond the lack of emotion that you're not feeling something about God and then you aim it toward, uh, you take your mind in the scriptures and you aim them back toward God and say, wait, these things are true. And I'm going to stand on what I know to be absolutely true. So that's where your your mind can and your will can jump in there and pick up your emotions and say, come on now. You don't need to be the one controlling the situation here. There's a higher power, a higher truth, a higher reality, and that's God. And so that's what... Uh, it's about the emotions are there. God put emotions there to help us to empathize with people, to learn things. If we have an ecstasy day where everything is going great, then rejoice in that. But if you're having a down day as well, recognize that, you know what? Jesus wept with Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. God feels that as well. But that does but he then turns to Martha and says, But I am the resurrection and the life. Because he's pointing her to a higher reality, a higher truth. Yeah? So that's your challenge for the week is to consider and think about your emotional state. Read books like Richard Wormbrand's 
uh, story. Read about Darlene Rose. She's another lovely uh, book to read about. Look up Darlene Rose and read about her time in a Japanese prison camp and how she overcame uh, the state that she was in with uh, and 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 had God meet her in amazing ways. So these are just examples that you can go through. Get Voice of the Martyrs magazine and read about the people who suffer even today for their faith and the joy that comes out of them as a result. Peter Yasek's book is another one, In Prison with Isis, that would be great for reading to glean about emotional um, control in the spirit and things like that. Okay, God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.